Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host, Mike. And Mike, people don't like totally new things. They like the things they like already. And that's why we have sequels and remakes and reboots and prequels and requels and spinoffs. And what we're talking today, trilogies. Well, sort of. I was doing just a little bit of research, and it looked like trilogies. Really, I, I think the earliest one I can uh, I, I saw was the Frankenstein stuff. We got Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein, and then you get into kind of like the thematic trilogies, like the uh, the, the Apu trilogy. Uh, well, that that actually actually also has some narrative stuff going on, but stuff like the Colors trilogy, uh, uh, Kozlowski, uh, the Revenge trilogy, Park uh, Chan Wook. Uh, have you seen those? The Old Boy, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Lady Vengeance. So you've got a lot of different things going on with trilogies. Do you have a Do you have a certain type one? Do you prefer your trilogies to be narrative based? Do you like themes? What do you think works best? What makes a good trilogy? Uh, I mean, my favorite trilogy of all time is the Before trilogy which i guess is more of an accidental uh trilogy certainly has uh, thematic resonance uh because of the the nature of them returning every nine years with the, the same actors to try to i mean not only recapture the original film but try to figure out like okay so if <laughs> if we were trying to recapture that how would the characters themselves try to recapture that magic when almost a decade of life has gotten in the way so they they approach it just embracing the fact that, hey, we did this a decade prior. Now what? Now what can we do? That's one way to go about it. Uh, I'm also a big fan of something like you know the Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, which was filmed back to back to back. It was filmed as one complete sweeping project. So that's also that's the complete opposite way of going about it. That you have the confidence, the chutzpah there, thanks to New Line, to say let's just do it all. Like we're not going to wait yeah. to see what the reaction is, which. It's funny because the films that have come that came after the decade after of Lord of the Rings, I think the the Golden Compass was you know supposed to kick off his Dark Materials, which I believe has been a show at this point. I don't even know if the show's <laughs> still around or where that is. Um, but that was one where they released the first one, the Narnia ones. The Narnia didn't even make it. Yeah, they made it to what two films? I think or maybe three. I can't. Right. I don't know. Obviously, you can have failures. Uh, either way, where uh, reacting to past success, you know, you may not have anything else to say. So, like, the, I think the Before series was able to navigate that. Well, I think Lord of the Rings was able to navigate it the other way, where we don't care what anyone thinks. We're just going to do this as one big story. Oh, you know, sometimes, what about a character? The man with no name? Or, or like, Benoit Blanc? Now, a modern day? Like, sometimes you can just do a trilogy based on just the one character and not even have to deal with the narrative aspect of, of trying to recapture what happened in the first one, just do something new. Yeah, that would be just more of like the uh, the old sort of adventure stories or serials, right? Like uh, Indiana Jones and whatever. <laughs> whatever he gets into uh, <laughs> this time. <laughs> I think that's the official title of the James Mangold one whenever it comes out. <laughs> whatever he gets into this time. <laughs> I, and of course, I think one of the anomalies would be like something like Evil Dead. That trilogy doesn't make a lick of sense because you don't know what's no. happening from the first to the second. And the third one's just like, all right, let me just you know do whatever <laughs> I want to at this point. So you never know. One thing I will say is uh, something that's uh, generally accepted and even kind of made fun of during uh, X-Men Apocalypse is that the third movie of these trilogies 
tend to always be the weakest. You've got your Return of the Jedi. The uh, I know some there's some people who love that movie. I personally don't. Blade Trinity, the Spider-Man 3s of the world. Now, the trilogy that we kind of looked at this month is is really, really diverse because we have three very different kinds of part three. These black sheep. The first one, Godfather 3, is a coda. It's trying to sum up the other two, but not really being a full part three. Scream is the only conventional one where there's a narrative, and it's trying to be a part three, and not only trying to be a part three, but trying to be the ending of the story as a whole. And lastly, we've got Ghostbusters 2016, in which they are ignoring the narrative events of the other one, trying to redo it, and trying to start something new. So, all three of our films, which I think we all... (laughs) We agree did not work for us very much <laughs> in different levels. But ultimately, they didn't really work very well for their own trilogies of sorts. Uh, and, and of course, uh, aside from The Godfather, uh, the other two franchises have uh, more films. So they are no longer trilogies. But uh, for the purposes of our conversation today, we can still kind of accept it uh, as trilogies. So what is it that went wrong? Sometimes there's a lack of ideas for these uh, the third parts, or the fans or the actors have moved on. There's something about part threes that you can't get right. Have you been able to put your finger on any of these three films and be like, well, this didn't work because of this? Or or any, or just in general for any part threes? Um, I think with The Godfather part three, and Scream Three, they had the uh, the opposite problems. I think with Francis Ford Coppola, as we talked about in that episode on the Godfather Coda, he had too much time to to have his own <laughs> you know crisis of confidence as far as like what is going to be my legacy. And we're like, sir, it's going to be Jack in five years. Like, don't worry, you got, <laughs> you got this. <laughs> it's coming. Don't push it. Um, and Scream 3, the fact that they had to race it out the door, which is understandable because of its genre. Like, you know, The Godfather, you don't expect sequels. Something that has won, uh, at that point, back-to-back to, back to back Best Pictures uh, in, its, in its series. Then Godfather 3 gets nominated out of <laughs> warm feelings of the prior two. I don't, I don't really know why. Um, but I think you mentioned, you know, Goodfellas had arrived on the scene and that, that, that sort of took over as far as the, the legacy of the, the mob movie, but slasher movies. And in particular, the late nineties slasher movies, there was this feeling like, Oh shit. Uh, when is this money machine going to stop printing? When are the kids going to move on to the next thing? Make as many as you can, as fast as you can. Um, I know what you did last summer, I think also followed in the sort of scream Two a trap of like, get the sequel out a year, like a next year, like, you know, to start filming immediately. The problem, as we discussed in the scream three episode was that, uh, and I had forgotten, uh, that Columbine had such an effect on, on them as far as getting the, the next one out. So, um, and I believe, you know, maybe if they weren't, uh, so lazy, uh, they would have beaten <laughs> Columbine. If they'd gone the annual Christmas release, they would have been December 98, uh, that's what you get, uh, Wes, for being too slow on the draw. The fact that they're trying to race it out, but then, then, then also thinking like, oh shit, there's real life violence happening. 
with our teenage audience, is this now, you know, passe? Is this, you know, would this be poor form? Sort of forgetting, like, you know, most Hollywood figures who think that they, what they put out in the world is central to everyone's daily lives, forgetting all of the atrocities and things that not only have been covered in film, but happened in real fucking life. And people were able to watch a war movie and enjoy it. Uh, we did Deer Hunter on this show, and we talked about how they took great uh, obsession with Russian roulette and were like, put that in Vietnam. And that, you would have thought, like, if that came out now, if there was a modern war. And, uh, and you know, Michael Bay said, I really want Russian roulette. And my film on um, – what did he do the, with the gym from The Office? People might have taken a little bit of issue with that. It's like, no, 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 man. There was Russian roulette going on in the streets. I know because I'm Michael Bay and I just really, really want to show that. <laughs> right. So I think the problem were, you know, twofold there as far as too much time and too little time to really sort of assess their, their place in the sort of pop culture landscape. Ghostbusters, I, I, I don't think that problem applies. I don't think that it was too much time or too little time. I don't. I think it was doomed. <laughs> no. It was doomed from the start. Uh, the the hardcore fans were going to be upset no matter how you cut it. You know, I brought up Afterlife in that episode. Here's a question to you. You you said you had not seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, but you saw that it got fairly warm, favorable response. If that had been the third entry, would it have been hated as well? Would that have been hated for going with like, well, who are these fucking kids? Why are we going this direction? Where's New York City? Where are my Ghostbusters? But the fact that Ghostbusters 2016 came out, did that sort of reset everything to where now, now you can do whatever you want. As long as you're saying we respect what came before us, but we're going to put this in middle America and we're going to make it Stranger Things the movie. Do you think that allowed them to get the pass from the, the fan base? Oh, absolutely. I think once you've, officially put out a product that is so far below what they believe is their quality Ghostbusters film. They're like, anything aside from this is going to be good. And, oh, we're going back to the basics because there is, uh, you know, the director is, you know, related to the original one and he has ties to this. So it gives it that weird sense of authenticity. Now, I have, like, like I said, I haven't seen it, but, you know... The nostalgia. That's all they, they really want. They want the Ecto-1 license plate or whatever. They want the proton pack. They want the same stuff that they got before, but they want it now. And they want it with... They just want the same movie and better effects. And that's... Did they get that? Do you believe that that's what they got? They got the little Ghostmobile back, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I, I'm thinking Sony, from a budgetary point of view, I don't know if they got better effects because... <laughs> I think they reset after Ghostbusters 2016 what they were going to spend on a Ghostbusters movie. So I think that's why it was it went to middle America in, the, in a small <laughs> town, clearly a lot, and fields. <laughs> and you can get three ghosts this time, not a hundred dancing in unison. We're not doing that. No. <laughs> and no one gets slimed. <laughs> Thank you.
you know, what I said at the top of this episode, I think, rings true in in today's society. And, and you know what? Actually, maybe not. So I said that people like the things they like already. They don't like new stuff. Paul Schrader, I'm not a huge fan of his work, but I'm a huge fan of him. And he constantly is dropping gems every time he's interviewed. And his most recent interview talked about how it's not that there's a shortage of good movies. There are great movies coming out now, uh, uh, superb stuff. But the audience isn't there. The audience was much smarter back in the 70s. And now it's a you're catering the, the Hollywood system, even the indie system a little bit, is catering to a very different crowd. And that is why we are getting these trilogies and spinoffs and requels and whatnot. And... and I, I'm not sure what it is that people want, and and I don't know if the people know what they want. What did they want out of Godfather 3? Did they want more of the same? Did they want more of the, the exact same character that they want, except in another wacky, uh, you know, uh, scenario? With Scream 3, at the very least, the horror genre has a sense of humor, and I feel like you can do quite a bit. There's a lot of freedom in horror. And Scream already set it up. There's how many terrible part threes have there been in the history of horror? So, uh, very few have been, de- I mean, you know, I think of Nightmare 3, the, the Dream Warriors is excellent. Outside, I would argue it's actually better than the first one. But, very few, like Friday the 13th, part three, all these part threes that you see, like, they're all, t- Saw 3 is one of the wor- like grotesque films I've ever seen. With and Scream Three wanted to play on that and the concept of trilogies, and so you always give Scream a little bit of a pass, no matter what they do, because they can be meta because they laid claim to it first. We and with Ghostbusters, you're right; that was just a dumpster fire. Side question: If there's a fourth entry, is that seen as the savior, or is generally speaking, is the fourth film considered even worse than the the third? How do you think it goes when they when they try to extend the trilogy? Now this, th- we're moving into some experimental territory here because I think the fourth one, it it has the freedom, dep- <laughs> depending on what catastrophe happened with the third one. Was it lukewarm? Was it you know look at uh, look at Terminator uh, Salvation. So that one, Terminator Three wasn't maligned or hated. It was just kind of like, well. If you're going to continue the franchise, even though the second one wrapped up the story perfectly, if you're going to continue it, let's see where it goes. And it was just kind of like, meh. And they've kept making meh Terminator films ever since. With something like Scream 4, you can kind of update. Again, horror allows you to do that. Like, uh, continue to see what the trends are and what the Scream franchise is always capitalizing on the trends of the genre. And between Scream 3 and Scream 4, you had torture porn. You'd have a lot of uh, filming uh, uh, the kills. Uh, the the villain, the serial killer, wants to uh, revel in his own work. So there's a lot of stuff you could work with. It really depends on number four. Or the fourth one could double down in the awfulness and and create an even more niche audience. By the time F- Saw 4 came around, they knew what their audience wanted, and they dialed right in. So I guess it all depends. I don't know how many narrative Part 4s we've seen. Scream 4 is one of the, uh, I think, rare few ones. Uh, because, like, with Friday the 13th, you kind of reset pretty much uh, each film for the most part. Uh, you have a new cast of characters. 
I guess I guess it all depends. Marvel has thrown that completely out of whack because you've got a lot of part fours within the MCU, but also you know it's like what was Thor was was the fourth Marvel movie. So ultimately, is that part four? Are we up to part twenty? Whatever. So it all depends. It, it, it's tricky. What I'm saying is, it's a it's a rich tapestry in film when it comes to <laughs> franchises. Let me admit that I just asked this question because you brought up Paul Schrader, and I just actually saw something this morning. It wasn't related to doing research for this podcast because you know who needs that, but. It was the uh, director behind Alien Resurrection, which I believe you hate, correct? I believe you're not. Ugh. <laughs> so apparently there's an article in The Independent on the 25th anniversary of the film, which proves that anything will get <laughs> celebrated in anniversary form. <laughs> and the director who went Jeepers. on, uh, you know, he recovered and made uh, Amelie, although I think we <laughs> I think we... Uh, do not appreciate Amelie. That's that's on an episode <laughs> in our feed. If you want to go back and hear maybe one of our first uh, this is shit sort of takedowns <laughs> both of us had. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the director, uh, I'm on Butcher's name, uh, Jean-Pierre, as you know, I think. I don't know if I have that right. I think it's Jeanne. But uh, yeah, I apologize. He's not going to attack me. He did in this article attack Joss Whedon. Uh, who has, um, yes, he's, I, I think, you know, he's a, well, before he got canceled, he was a much beloved internet personality among the geeks and embraced, you know, message boarding and commenting on things from past, much like Kevin Smith is still doing this day. Let's hope Kevin Smith does not get canceled because that canceled most, that will cancel most of our episodes because we reference him <laughs> every chance we get. <laughs> um, uh, da, 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 da. so here's what he had to say. I know, uh, Joss Whedon said some bad things about me. I don't care. I know if Josh Whedon had made Alien Resurrection himself, it probably would have been a big success. He's very good at making films for American geeks, something for morons, because he's very good at making Marvel movies. I hate this kind of movie. It's so silly. It's so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Presumably responding to comments Josh Whedon made on a fan message board in the late 90s. (laughs) He's like, you know, 25 years later, Fuck this dude. <laughs> he makes movies for morons. <laughs> Not only that, but American morons. <laughs> I have to admit, Webb, it put me in the mood to watch Alien Resurrection Day. I just I just love this out of nowhere <laughs> attack. <laughs> While I appreciate the attack, I don't think there's anything you could tell me that like, hey, <laughs> That could that would put me in the mood to watch Alien Four. There is almost have, nothing you could tell me. Alien Three will put you in that mood for Alien Resurrection. She's like, ugh, what? <laughs> the, the next one has to be better. Put in the next disc. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one. One of the things that uh, uh, Part Fours can do is like, Jesus Christ, let's put ours centuries into the future so we're as far away from part three as possible that's a great narrative device so the films that we have for this trilogy uh this is the toughest one yet i feel like we say that quite often in our trilogy in theory but i think this one is and i i still think that we knocked it out of the park because that's the only conclusion that we have uh on this show I think this is a great set of films to look at and dissect and talk about 
unfortunately, it's coming from a pessimistic point of view. And we always we, we we usually talk about the things that we like in films, but for these, we just have to pick apart why didn't it work? Right. Because Godfather one and two are classics in their own right, and and the third one just doesn't work. Scream one and two, I love Scream. I think I love Scream 2 even more. And I know that there are some people who think that. Why didn't 3 work as well? And, of course, Ghostbusters, it's got a fan base. Why? I mean, even though 2 doesn't get much love, you got to wonder, you know, could they have made that third one that did? And you make... Bring up a wonderful point. What if Afterlife was that third one? Would it have gotten uh, the love that I, I guess that it has, the lukewarm acceptance? So I really like that. And unfortunately, all three of these films, the big thing that brings these films together is the real world narratives that are behind it. The drama that went into getting these made is the unfortunate connection that they all have. I mean, you know, the characters we can talk about, maybe Godfather 3, they're the same characters, but, you know, they're different. They're too different. Scream 3, there's some of them are there, but you're dealing with all these new kids that are, uh, you know, slasher fodder. And Ghostbusters, you've got a completely different cast, so it feels like a whole new movie while still being the same crappy movie. <laughs> I think this trilogy works, but I think it works in an unfortunate way. I applaud our efforts, and also we did not fall into the trap that seemingly most um, film enthusiasts, uh, either writing about it on their website or for IndieWire or whatever, or podcasting, we did not play the well actually card. Well actually. The Godfather Godfather Part Three is just as good as one as two. Well, actually, Scream Three, which I agree with you, Scream Two to me is up there with Godfather Two and Empire Strikes Back. It is a rightful champion of the second part being just as good, if not better, than the first. You know, they have that conversation in Scream Two. Pat itself on the back. It it belongs in that you know that canon. And then there's Ghostbusters, which, you know, I thought maybe with the passage of time, uh, we could talk about it removed from the controversies. <laughs> but then I came to the conclusion that the only thing interesting about this movie is the controversies. <laughs> so what else are we going to talk about? Because it's just not <laughs> that funny. <laughs> so there is no well actually from us here. <laughs> Our well it's not actually. not that funny. It's not that exciting. Yeah. Our well actually is. They all stink and they still stink. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to spend any more time with it. Thank you for listening to the, another month of episodes. <laughs> we 